We're continuing our series called Hang 10. Hang 10. You remember what Hang 10 is, right? It's not about just laying back and just kind of body surfing, right? It's about going for it. It's about being completely devoted, completely committed, and especially committed to be a, um, a, fu- a disciple of Jesus Christ, right? Any fully committed people here? I didn't say need to be committed. I said, are you fully committed, right? Okay, there we go. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to be fully committed to follow Jesus Christ, to be everything that he has um, created us to be. So last week, we talked about being uh, hanging on to the Holy Spirit, being fully committed to letting the Holy Spirit live in us and live through us. And I hope that this week... Hope um, that each and every one of you that you experienced maybe all week long, maybe a greater sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, um, maybe that you felt the Holy Spirit directing your steps and, and being with you. I've got to tell you, if you missed Wednesday night, it was an amazing time. The uh, groups were fantastic. The discussion groups were amazing. Hearing people talk about their personal experiences with the Holy Spirit and growing in the Holy Spirit. So I encourage you, be sure and be here for our Wednesday night term groups. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, you don't want to, um, you don't want to miss it. But I want to start this week with, uh, with just a kind of a statement and jump off of this statement. And the statement is this, you will never be able to continue... A spirit-filled life without a word-filled life. Okay, so I'm, I'm thankful for experiences. I'm thankful for all the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for all the great things that the Holy Spirit does. But I'm telling you that as God's people, we have got to be people of the word. Amen? And so today's message, I believe, is absolutely pivotal. It's absolutely pivotal in this issue of discipleship, of moving from just being a believer to being a disciple, to be people who are fully committed to the Word of God. So today we're going we're gonna to hang on to the Word of God. We're going to put our total confidence in the Word of God. We're going to say, I trust the Word of God. We're going to say, God's Word is not just a, a book, not just letters on page, print on page, but it's a living, it's the living Word of God, and it's for me. It's for me today. We're going to all make that. I hope we're all going to, going to make that, um, that commitment. I believe this is a huge, a major difference between somebody who, who's just a believer, you know, they believe in Jesus, or they, they believe in God, but the that, that how you live your life and base your life on the Word of God is going to depend on how much that's going to show the degree and the development of your discipleship. So um, I, I believe that a, a believer, you know, they may consider the Bible as something good, but it might not be the final authority in their life like a, a disciple. They, there may be some things that they say, well, I, it, the, the Bible is good for what I agree with, but what I don't agree with then it's not for me. But that's not how a disciple lives. A disciple says, I am fully committed, and I'm going to submit, and I'm going to align my life to the Word of God no matter what. No matter how I feel, no matter how I think, it's all going to be, my whole life is going to be based on this Word. Amen? And I hope that, uh, I hope that if that's not where you're at, that uh, before long that's where you'll be, because I honestly believe and personally experienced that, that this is the best way to live your life, okay? You know, back in Genesis chapter 3, we read a very interesting, there's an interesting scripture. It says this. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And so the serpent came to the woman and he said, God, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of garden, uh, of the tree, of every tree of the garden? 
What we see here is that Adam and Eve have been placed in the garden. You probably know the story of creation. And, and now here they are. They're able to eat of everything, every tree except one. And the enemy, the, the serpent, this crafty, sneaky uh, deceiver comes up and he begins to uh, talk to the woman. I think it's an interesting thing to note, <clears throat> excuse me, an interesting thing to note that the first person to speak after God speaks in the scripture is the devil. So it, it kind of establishes a pattern that when God is speaking into our lives through his word, he's speaking to our hearts, our minds, you can pretty well be aware that the devil's going to come and try and speak also. He's going to try and get us to um, doubt God's word or to not trust God's word. And that's what he did with the Eve. He kind of lays the foundation for way, way, way back then for how he interacts with each and every one of us. How he still comes and approaches us and tries to get us to doubt, did God really uh, say? So the woman responds, and, uh, and I, think, uh, I think she does a good job in her response. And she responds from the, the, what the scripture says in Genesis 2. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. How many people think freely eating is a great thing? Hallelujah. Come on for freely eating. One of these days, yeah. So, um, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So you see what the enemy's doing here? He's coming and he's directly attacking the words that God had spoken to Adam and to Eve. The enemy here in response to, to Eve's response to the word, the enemy then gets more bold. So again, we see a pattern developing. Then Eve said, um, you know, the, the devil speaks to her, and I, and I really have an issue here because I feel like at the moment that the devil came, the, the serpent came and spoke to the woman, that's when the man should have showed up and stomped his head. I mean, just crushed him, not have let him have any access to his women, amen, to his woman, amen? Come on, man, I'm trying to help you out there. So, <clears throat> so he should have jumped right in there. But the enemy uh, gets even more bold, and the enemy said, oh, yeah, you're just going to quote the word to me, but do you really believe it? And so the enemy gets more bold, and he directly challenges the word and then lies about the word. Let's listen to what he says. The enemy says, you will not certainly die. Now, now God said, if you eat of this tree, you're going to die. But the enemy says, no, you're not going to die. You're, that's not going to happen. That's not true. What the enemy starts to do is to, pull, uh, is to plant these seeds to get these beliefs into our hearts, into our minds. Hey, something's God's holding out on you. God's not telling you the truth. God's not really for you. God's, uh, God, there's something better for you than God's word. Anybody ever had the enemy try to deal with them that way in your life? Man, I'm telling you, it seems like all the time you take a stand of faith, right? And God's going to be faithful and God's going to be true. And, and all of a sudden, anybody ever heard the questions, well, if God's true, why hasn't it happened yet? Or, or if God's true, then, then, you know, that should have happened to that person and that didn't happen to them. So God's not true and the word's not true and it's not going to be true for you. So the enemy's planting these seeds of doubt. He's planting the seeds that are saying, hey, you can trust human reasoning more than you can trust the Word of God. So he's raising these challenges, these doubts. He's saying, hey, before you believe the Word of God, just believe yourself. Figure it out. Reason it for yourself. Live by what you think or by what you feel. 
This is, listen, folks, this is a, if you're taking notes today, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write it down, okay? <laughs> okay? This is why we don't reason with the enemy. We rebuke him, okay? We, we don't try to just rationalize and have this debate with things that come against the Word of God. We make a definitive statement that says, God said it. Whether I believe it or not, that settles it, right? God said it. That's enough. We're going to base our lives on that. We've all probably had that experience of reading something in the Bible where we, we, we know God is speaking to us or we hear something by the Holy Spirit and then all of a sudden we hear this word, yeah, but, right? And, and that but raises up in opposition to the truth of the Word of God. And, and can I say this? When you're in those moments of doubt, when you're in those moments of rationalization or reasoning, you will always be able to find somebody who agrees with your point of view. Because you know why? The devil doesn't just work on you. The enemy doesn't just try to plant seeds in your life. The enemy doesn't try to just get you to doubt. He works on everybody who will give him any room to do so. So we're going to be people who are going to say, no matter what, God says it. And that settles it in my life. And, and listen, th this isn't just something for way back when. This is for right here, right now. Maybe more so, maybe more so than ever before in our lives, folks. In script the scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and, and this is a good word for, for leaders, for men, for women, for moms, for dads, for, for anybody that has any place of influence. Listen to what the scripture says in 2 Timothy chapter 4. It says, preach the word. Preach the word, right? Not your opinions, not what grandma said, not what Joyce or Jimmy or Jack or somebody. <laughs> Preach the word, what God said. Speak the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I made a statement about how important it is to have a teachable spirit. I believe that one of the greatest things that we need in the body of Christ today is people who will humble themselves before God and say, God, I don't know it all. God, I haven't got it all figured out. So teach me. God, teach me by your word. Teach me by your spirit. Give people, put people of wisdom in, into my life and, and maturity that can speak into my life. Having a teachable spirit. And sometimes part of being teachable is being, is being well, willing and ready to receive rebuke is to receive correction. If, if, you're, if you're not open to any correction in your life, if I'm not open to any correction in my life, then I'm not married. I mean, I'm not uh, mature. I'm not mature. I'm not, I don't know how that came out like that. I don't know what happened there. So um, we need to rebuke something there, right? But uh, no, we've got to be people. We've got to be people who are willing and saying, hey, listen, I haven't learned it all. I still need, sometimes I need some of my thoughts and ideas and, and challenged. I, I need them corrected. So it goes on, it says, for um, so convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Uh, I didn't give the guys this scripture, but the Passion Translation puts it like this. It says, for the time is coming when they will no longer listen. We live in a generation, we live in a world where, where just the, the skill of being able to listen 
to listen to somebody with an opposing view, to listen to, to somebody with a, a differing perspective that, hey, listen, listen, listening doesn't make you weaker. It makes you stronger. It makes you better. We need to be people who develop the skill to be able to listen and to be able to receive and to be able to, to gain understanding in our lives. But we live in a generation where they will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of truth. Because they will become, uh, it says, they will become selfish and proud, self-centered, thinking about me, thinking about me, thinking about me. I think we've all got to admit we live in a generation that, that, that's being driven more than ever before to think about us. Post something on, you know, Facebook, Twitter, or whatever, and we, you know, and we go on Instagram, we, well, how many hits have I got now? How many think people like me now? How much? And it's all about me. And the scripture says that they, they will seek out teachers. Now, I, I love the generation that we live in. I love that we've got a lot of access, and, and man, we can pick up our phones, and we can access things all around the world. I, I am... Um, I've got connected on, uh, maybe you all know about WhatsApp and, and got some international friends. And we, you know, we're all communicating back and forth and, and literally just instantaneously connected with things all around the world. But can I tell you this? That, that we've got to be careful that we're not just seeking out the things that validate what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. Okay, so they seek out teachers. You can, you can turn on the television, you can get on your computer, and you can, you can find somebody who's going to teach what you want to hear. Okay, seeking teachers who will, um, will, they will seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with, they, that line up with their desires, saying just what they want to hear. Now, we, we all like to hear. I, I like reading books and, and listening to messages and hear people teach. And, and, and I love it when, oh, they're saying exactly what I believe. But if all we ever do is listen to people who say exactly what we believe, we're shrinking our world. We really are. It says that these people, they will close their ears to the truth and believe nothing but fables and myths. And I've got to tell you, I am so concerned that that's exactly where we're coming to. And I'm not talking about the, just the culture. I'm talking about the church, the body of Christ, that we're becoming people who are only listening to what we want to hear. Do you hear, hear the issue there? It says they will close their ears to the truth. They'll close their ears to truth. I don't want to hear truth. I want to hear what I like, what makes me feel good. The, the, the real issue here does become the issue of truth. I mean, this isn't a new thing. Years ago, you remember Jesus talking to authority and he says, oh, well, what is truth? I think that's still the declaration that's going on today. Is there really anything that is absolutely true? Or is everything relative and is everything, uh, you know, there's an objection for everything. And so at some point in time, I think we've got to be people who decide in our lives what is absolute truth. Amen? What, what's going to be true? One of the core identities of New Covenant Church is that we believe in the Word of God. We believe the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit and that it's fully reliable for direction and correction for life. We believe that it is the truth for every life and that it will bring and be the best for every single person. 
Listen, the Word of God is an amazing gift. It's a love letter to God's people to help them live as sons and daughters, free people in the world today so that we can help other people get free and saved. Amen? So that everybody can experience the goodness of God right here in the land of the living. In John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking and he said this. says, Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. I hope we have a house full of disciples here today. He goes on, he says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Can can I say just real quickly here that I'm concerned that we don't really know the truth. We have nuggets that we grab hold of. We know bumper stickers of the Bible, but we really don't know the truth. That, that word in the Greek, the word know there, is a word called gnosko. And what it really implies is intimacy, okay? Such as Adam knew his wife and she conceived. Okay, that's a whole different sermon, okay? I mean, does, does everybody understand what I'm talking about? We'll, we're going to talk about sexual purity next week. Don't miss it, okay? It's going to be fun. <clears throat> so uh, does everybody know what I'm saying here? Okay, get so intimate with the truth that it conceives something in our lives, that it births something in us. It births a hunger that says, I'm going to live in this, in this truth, and I'm going I'm to base my life on this truth because this truth really is, it's going to bring, it's going to make his people free. And can I tell you, God's not trying to lead you into bondage. God's not trying to lead you into a rigid place. God wants his people free. Come on, everybody say free. free. Amen. How much your t-shirts, Roger? Oh, okay, no, that's right, no, okay, so I just want to check, see if he was listening there, but that's all right. Okay, so we want to be people, we want to be disciples who are intimate with the Word of God, we read it, we study it, we love it, we obey it, and we are blessed, our lives are blessed because of God's freedom that he lets us live. I do want to, just before we move on, verse 33 in John chapter 8, this is such an interesting scripture to me, Um, John chapter, yeah, right here. So Jesus, the people that he's talking to, he says, uh, listen, if you'll be intimate with the word, if you'll know the word, then you'll be free. And they, they get all puffed up. They get upset. What do you mean? He says, we're Abraham's descendants, and we've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we will be made free? Does anybody know anything about the history of the Jewish people? Do you know they went from bondage to bondage to bondage to oppression to being carried out of their country to having their cities destroyed, right? They were always in bondage. As a matter of fact, when they made the statement that said, we've never been free, they they were under Roman occupation at that very moment. (laughs) They, They were being ruled by an outside people. Can I tell you that sometimes people can be very passionate about something? They can, be very, they can be very fixed in their opinion, and they can be very wrong. They can be very deceived. They can live under a delusion. So I, I'm telling you, as God's people, just because somebody shouts something loudly, just because somebody proclaims something and gets a whole bunch of hits on it or whatever, that doesn't make it truth. We're going to be people who are, we're going to base our lives on the truth of the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So truth is a big part of the issue. 
Because, um, listen, and, and here's the issue I really think with a lot of people. Well, I don't want to acknowledge that this Bible is really truth. I don't want to go so far as to say this is absolute truth because if it's absolute truth, then what excuse do we have for not obeying it? Is it truth? Is it truth? Then we have few options but to obey it and to receive the blessings that God commands through it. Amen? So, so, so do you see the pattern here that the devil tries to establish? He tries to get us to doubt whether or not it's really truth, to question God, to try to make excuses, to come up with any other explanation rather than this is absolute truth. To, to, today, the world we live in, here's the message. The message is it's not truth. The message is tolerance. Okay, Everybody's got to be tolerant. Not everybody has to be tolerant. Christians have to be tolerant, right? We have to be tolerant of everything and everybody. We have to tolerate anything that's in opposition to, to, the, to, the, to God's word, anything that's in opposition to the standards and to the beliefs that we have as followers, as disciples of Jesus Christ. We, we have to be tolerant of the liberal media. We have to be tolerant of, of all these things. Now, again, I think we've all noticed that it's the people that are screaming loudest for tolerance that have the least of, the less, have the, have the least of it. Amen? They, 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 don't, they want everybody to tolerate them, but they don't want to tolerate anybody. And can I tell you, that's okay with me. I'm serious. It really is. Because you know what? Tolerance is a pitiful replacement for love. We are not called to a standard of tolerance. We are called to a standard of love. And, and I can't, and people that would stand in our face and yell and scream at us and say, tolerate, tolerate, tolerate me, tolerate my beliefs, tolerate what I think, tolerate how I feel, to tolerate the way I want to act and the way I want to behave. And I'm going to look at them and say, no, I refuse to tolerate you because I will not lower my standard of how much I love you and care about you and want to see God's best in your life. Why in the world would anybody want tolerance when they can have love? Hallelujah. Amen. Are we, are we catching this today, guys? I heard somebody tell the story recently, and they said that, that people live their lives today wanting to be tolerated. It's like somebody driving a car, and their car's out of alignment. And so it's pulling to the right, it's pulling to the left, it's, it's swerving all over the place, has no clear direction. So rather than taking their car in and getting the alignment fixed, what they do is said, let's build roads that go wherever I want to go. <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. That's the world that we live in. I'm just telling you today that God has a better plan for you and for me. God has a better plan for the world. So instead of a, so I, I, I say let's, let's live our pe lives as people who are directed by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God and see His benefits poured out in our life. Amen? So let, let's look at some of these benefits. Um, why should we put our faith, why should we take this step of saying that no matter what, I'm going to put my faith, my confidence in the Word of God. You ready? Here are some reasons why we should submit our lives to the Word of God. Number one is, it's historically true and verifiable. There, whether you know this or not, hopefully we do know this, but the Bible is the most historically documented work ever. There's more historical verification 
for the, the Bible, for the truth of the Bible, for the continuity of the Bible, for, for the reliability of the Bible than any other document that's ever been produced. It, it is absolutely, it's absolutely amazing that 40 authors over a period of 1,500 years could pen the words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and that they could be so um, in tune, so much unity, they could be so harmonious historically. You know how come it happens? It's because it's the Word of God. It's unlike any other thing ever created. And what an amazing gift it is to us. A second reason we can submit the word to the Word of God is Jesus' example. How many people think Jesus is a good example? Amen. Okay, for the rest of you, let me encourage you. Jesus is a good example, okay? So Jesus had a great example. He set a great example in our lives of depending upon the Word of God. Uh, as I researched this over the last couple of weeks, I found out that Jesus quoted the Old Testament 78 times. He, he, he referenced 26 different books of the Old Testament in his ministry time here on earth. The disciples went even further. The disciples in the writings that we have, that they quoted the Old Testament, the scripture that they had over 200 times, about 209 times. That Why would Jesus and his disciples depend so much on the portion of the word of God they had and then us have so much of the word of God and not base our lives on it? Doesn't make sense, does it? So, the third thing is the reliability of the word of God. The word of God works in people's lives. I mean, folks, we could literally spend from now, and I think this is going to be a big part of what eternity is about, is we're going to be able to hear stories and testimonies of people who can say, I'm telling you this, it worked for me. There was a time when the doctor said I had no hope. It was Everything was, was gone. All hope was gone. I had no way that it could be healed. But I'm telling you, God was true to his word, and my body was healed. And I'm here to testify about it today. There's people that said, can I tell you that I had a financial need in my life? I had some type of an obstacle in my life. I had some type of an issue in my life. But I trusted God. I trusted his word. And it worked. Is there anybody in this house today that has a testimony that says, I trusted the Word of God and it worked in my life. Is there anybody? Hallelujah. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise for that. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I can't tell you how many times this is true in my life. It, so, so, so it all boils down just to a couple of questions. Number one, do you believe the Word of God is true? Do you believe this? We'll let this mean yes today, all right? Do you believe that the Word of God is true? I, I, I mean, I know that's the right answer to the question here, right? But, but, but I'm, I'm asking you seriously, let the Holy Spirit ask this question to you today. Do you believe that the Word of God is not just truth, but that it's true for you? That it's true for you, that it's worth you submitting your life to? The second question is, uh, well, and I would say, if you don't believe this, what would it take for you to believe this? If you're serious about really, you've got some serious questions, please do this. Please come and talk to us. So set up an appointment with Pastor Chris. <clears throat> <laughs> or Pastor Roger. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they'll explain to you why you can trust the Word of God, right? No, I'm serious. If you're genuine about this, 
man, I, I would have no problem sitting down with anybody in the world and explaining and saying, here's why you can trust the Word of God. The second question is, is the Bible worthy of you submitting your life fully to it? Are you willing to take that step of faith today? Is the Bible true? Is God's words trustworthy? If so, are you willing to take that step of faith and say, I will completely let the Word of God govern my life? If that's where you're at today, I want to give you three things that we can do, okay, so that show us how we can commit to be governed by the Word of God. Number one, you ready? Number one, you choose the Word of God over your opinions and your feelings. You choose the Word of God over your opinions and your feelings. And because we, I think we're all understand this, that feelings are subjective, right? I, I mean, they, they really are. They, they, they vary. And, and we live in a world today, you know, where, where, where there's all kinds of feelings. Just, you know, go, go with the flow and let whatever you feel is okay. And no matter how you feel, whether it's about any area of your life, I mean, whether it's about, about your sexuality, you feel like a man, you feel like a woman, right? You feel like, you know, feel like you just go sleeping around with a whole bunch. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Some people just checked out on me. Some people go, oh, he's going to talk about the homosexual agenda and, and, all that, and, and all that kind of stuff. Can I say this? That, that before we want to look down our noses and point our fingers at, at its people, can I tell you there's a whole lot more heterosexual sin that goes on than homosexual sin that goes on in our world? And if we'll get our heterosexual lives straightened out, and if we'll start walking in right ways in our lives today, and, and oh, if I, want, if I feel like living together, if I feel like not living together, if I feel, come on, somebody say amen. Don't leave me now, folks. We're almost done, all right? So, uh, but how I feel, the, tr the truth of the matter is we're all born that way. We all are born with an inclination to sin. We're all born with a bent to rebel against God. God says, hey, listen, I've got a better plan for you. I, I, I really, really do. I, and, and I just think about opinions, how variable they are. I mean, some days I get up and I've got an opinion that, man, life is great and wonderful. Hallelujah. Everything is good. Everybody's on my side. Everybody loves me. Everybody, anybody ever have one of those days? Right? And then Monday comes. Right? <laughs> And some days I don't feel that way. And some days it's everything's terrible and it's a no good, rotten, lousy, good for nothing day. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll go eat worms, right? You know? So, man, our feelings, they change. So for, for something, you know, every time I think about our government, I know that I shouldn't be thinking about things like that in church, but... Um, but every time a poll comes out, people change their minds in the direction that we should go. I've got to tell you, folks, I have got to absolutely tell you that right now the opinions that are being developed in relationship. How did we ever get to the place where the discussion is, well, when is it okay to have an abortion? First semester, second semester, third month, nine months, ten minutes after birth. That's not the question. They've become so, they've expressed so many opinions, they've gone so far off the rails that that's not the question. The question isn't when is it appropriate and what time is it okay? It's never okay. It's never appropriate. God's always for life. So we don't yield ourselves 
to feelings. Man, I had a whole list of things that I just am not going to get time to get to. Things like, I'll just serve when I feel like it. Chris, is that, can, can we weave that in? Because so, I know everybody here doesn't do that because we want to serve all the time. And people, when they hear about opportunities to serve at a car wash for single moms, to remove obstacles from them being blessed, that they would never think, well, that's when my favorite ball game was on. Or I was going to go shopping that day. Or they wouldn't make excuses or they wouldn't say, I don't feel like it because they would understand I've got the opportunity to serve. And God says that our lives are here to serve Him with good works. Amen? Amen. I was trying to use Chris's tactic of guilting you. How many people can come and serve next week? Okay, be here. How many people feel like raising their hands today? How many people don't feel like raising your hands today? Okay, raise your hand. Let me know. All right, thank you. So, All right. Will I choose to submit my life to the instruction of the Word of God and trust Him for my best? I pray your answer is yes. Number two, not only hear the Word, but obey it. James chapter two, chapter one. Okay, not, not, don't just hear the word, but don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. Okay, can I can I give you just some things to think about? Be a doer of the word when it comes to forgiveness. Don't just think about it. Okay, every, every person here, there's going to be a time in your life you're going to need forgiveness. Okay, if you're going to if you're ever going to want to give forgiveness, the great thing to do would be able to start sowing forgiveness right now. Amen walk in forgiveness. How about, how about our money? How about the area of money? Okay, Are, are we walking in obedience? There, there are some people that are sitting here today that I know in your life situation, you need a harvest of, in, you need a harvest of finances in your life. You, is there anybody in this place that needs money? Four people. We are among wealthy individuals. Absolutely. There are only four people that need money. Okay. Ushers, hold the doors. Don't open these doors. They've got money. Our job's to get it. Okay? So, okay. Right. Okay. Are, are you, are, are you going to walk in obedience? How about your relationships? How about your mouth? How about my mouth? How about talk? How about gossip? How about slander? Are, are, do we ever allow those things into our our mouth and to our minds, or are we going to be people who use the words that God has given us to exhort and to encourage and to bless and to build up and to love people? Finally, number three, we will believe the word of God will never fail. We believe the word of God will never fail. We believe the word of God will never fail, no matter what. Hallelujah. Anybody say amen? We believe it. We be, no matter the circumstance, no matter what the circumstance is, believers, I've got to stop, okay? We, we've got to be people who, we, we start out strong. Yes, I believe, and then some issue, some circumstance, some situation happens in our life, and all of a sudden, we take our eyes off of believing God, believing His Word, and we put them on the circumstance. We start looking around. We're like Peter out on the water. Oh, we can't understand why all these problems, right? We've got to be people who stop doing that. People who say, you know what, I'm not going to focus on the circumstance. I'm not going to just look at and talk about the mountain. I'm going to talk to God and then say what he says to the mountain. Amen? I'm going to say, get out of the way, move, be gone, come down, move over, tunnel appear, whatever it takes. But I'm not going to let the circumstance define my life. As disciples, as disciples, I know that there are times 
when people deal with loneliness. But can I tell you this? That you don't ever have to give in to discouragement. You don't ever have to give in. Why? Because what does the Word of God say? Just because I feel lonely, just because the situation looks like I'm by myself, can I tell you, you are never alone. God never will leave you. He will never forsake you. He never gives up on you. His grace, His kindness, His goodness, His loving kindness, His his mercies are new every day. And they're new for you and they're new for me every day. Don't give up, okay, because He hasn't given up on you. Amen. Here's what I want us to do today to close. If you believe, if you really do want to make, you want to put your confidence, your faith, you want to make a commitment today that the, to put your trust like never before in the Word of God, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Guys, can you put that commitment up there, please? Okay. Um, we don't do a lot of this, but this is very appropriate to make confessions and commitments. So in just a moment, I'm, I'm going to read this now, but if you want to take a step of faith and say, I'm going to I'm going to entrust my life to the Word of God. Then we're going to read this together. It says, I believe the Bible in its entirety to be the Holy Spirit-inspired living Word of God and the only infallible rule of faith and conduct. As the disciple of Jesus Christ, Christ, I confess my absolute confidence in and commitment to the Bible, the Word of God, to read it, study it, love it, and live it. In Jesus' name, amen.